Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's turning 100 this week. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who will be in Italy next week. That is me, Ryan Newman. And Trey is still in Italy, so... Yes, we'll be overlapped by about three days over there. Nice. You guys going to hang out? Heck no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess you guys can see each other anytime you want here. Yeah, exactly. We're kind of on our, both on our honeymoon type trip, so... Fair, fair. Yeah. All right. Well, this is episode 100, Ryan. Woo! Party! I know. Pretty awesome. So, we just want to thank all the listeners who have supported us from the beginning and... We were pretty bad at the beginning, so... It was it was rough. It was a rough start. Yeah, I saw... It. Kim told us on Twitter that she's been listening since episode two. Yeah, so I that, heard that, and I'm proud of her for sticking through us with the, the rough moments at the beginning. I, I'm proud. I'm also questioning her taste, to be honest, because... <laughs> a little bit. We weren't very good to start out. Nah, dude, I, we go back and listen to those, and it's, um, it's rough. <laughs> Makes me think, like, what are we going to do, go back in, like, two years and look at what we're doing now? It's like, oh, boy. Possibly. Possibly. I hope so. I hope we're always getting better. Yeah, true. Uh, We did get a five-star review this past week, though, Ryan. Can you read that for us? Sure. It's from uh, Sigmund, I believe it's L.A. Weatherby. Uh, He titled the review, Want a Bro. He says, "Uh, I discovered the podcast a few weeks ago. Can't get enough of the new episodes, so I've gone months into the backlog as a writer hoping to get into the sports genre. And a lifelong Cornhusker fan. Awesome. All right, go Big Being Red. Being involved in something like this would be a dream gig. Love the banter and the conversational approach to commentary. All right. That was an awesome review. That was a fantastic review, yeah. Fellow Husker fan. Okay, but let's not waste any more time here. We just recorded a, a really great interview with Mitch Light. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to Michael from 45 Minutes Ago. All right. We are now very excited to be joined by the executive editor at Athlon Sports, who recently put out their 2019 college football preview magazine, which Ryan and I both have and is awesome. I do. Yep. Um, He's also the co-host of one of our favorite podcasts, the Cover 2 College Football Podcast. His name is Mitch Light. Mitch, how are you? I'm great, guys. And i I, I guess that means we've sold at least two magazines so far. So I appreciate you guys uh, the support. Well, once our four listeners hear this, they are they're going to be all over it too. So, oh wow, yeah. I, I will. I will. As soon as we're done here, I'll call our circulation department, tell them to brace for the sales. Perfect. Uh, but no, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, let's start just with the magazine, the process for creating it. There's, I think, over 300 pages this year. So I imagine it is not a small task. What exactly is your role, and then? I guess, could you give us a general overview of, of how it all comes together? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's it's changed a lot. I've actually been in Athlon Sports for 18 years. Um, wow. And so th- th- a lot of, through technology and just other efficiencies, it's actually gotten a lot easier. When I first started Athlon, it was literally from early April to late April or mid-May working you know, six, seven days a week till 10 midnight every week, every night. I had two young kids under five. It was kind of a nightmare, but it's not like that at all anymore. 
Uh, again, technology's made things a lot easier, and we don't do as many magazines as we used to. But to specifically answer your question about how we put the magazine together, it, it, it starts literally right after the season's done. We start, you know, that's when all those se- all the stats are final and all that stuff. So we start gathering data and stats and all that stuff. And we're always thinking of feature ideas. Like I could be watching a game in the fall or at a game and say, you know what, that that's interesting. Let's maybe pursue pursue that for next year's magazine or something. Or I might hear something in a game and give me an idea for a feature. But we really, you know, we kind of come up with it. We meet as a staff um, to talk about features and stuff in January and February. I reach out to all of our writers. You know, there's 130 FBS teams. We like to have a guy or a, or a gal at every school. Like we like to use a, a beat writer, someone who covers that team. They're at practice that, you know, they're at all the press conferences and stuff. Right. Um, so that's part of my job is dealing with all these writers. And it's part of my job. I like a lot, you know, just get to know a lot of people from all over the country. Um, and then, so we just, you know, we assign the stories, they come in in April um, and we, we, we edit them. We get them fact checked. Everything's fact checked at least once Everything's proofread at least four times by three or four different editors. We have obviously a design team. They lay stuff out. So um, it's a pretty detailed process that, uh, you know, it, it gets a little stressful right before deadline, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a labor of love. Um, my job specifically as managing editor, I guess my title's executive editor, just kind of oversee everything. We have a pretty small editorial staff. There's three editors, one designer, one photo editor. Uh, but we use freelancers. We use part, we use part timers for fact checking. And, and like I said, freelancers all over the country. So hopefully that answered the question, uh, yeah. to some degree. Yeah. Pretty big endeavor. Uh, you mentioned that technology's, you know, kind of made things easier. Has it also made things easier for, uh, rabid fans to yell at you about your, your guys' predictions? Oh, it's, yes, definitely. <laughs> it's been, it's been easier to get information and it's been, e- it's been easier for people to, to, to point out mistakes and then spread that mis- spread those mistakes on message boards and on Twitter <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, no, but it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, I started in 2001 and obviously the internet had been around, but you know, it wasn't as all over the place as it is now, obviously, yeah, you know, Twitter wasn't uh, around Twitter, all this stuff. But I, I remember, um, Something it was, it was the University of Oregon, and we had made either you know we do our unit rankings and stuff, and either we had Oregon's uh, defensive backs ranked low in the Pac-12, or the story mentioned something about a rebuilding secretary, uh, sec- secondary, and some lady emailed me and said, you guys aren't at practice. You don't know how hard this group has been working. <laughs> you know, you don't know this. You don't know that. And you know what that makes me do? It makes me root for people to throw for 400 yards against Oregon. It's like it's nothing personal. <laughs> I just want them to be wrong. And that year, Oregon's pass defense was horrible. So I didn't like email or back or anything. Yeah. But uh, I often say that. I root for our predictions to be right. And then when anyone like kind of does stuff like that, I root for them to be wrong. But you would never shove it in their face. Never, never. I would just <laughs> bitch about it on a podcast 18 years later. So yeah. I hope that lady's listening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, moving on to a, to the next question here. So when you when you guys are kind of deciding the rankings and who's going to win each division, let's say, I mean, who's in on that discussion? And ultimately, like somebody's got to have the final say on where everybody gets placed. So, I mean, how does that kind of conversation go? And kind of after that, it's like, which division this year do you think like was the hardest? I mean, for us, we've kind of done a little bit of preview so far and 
to, for, to us, it seemed like the Big Ten West was like just impossible. So I don't know if you guys agree with that or what, but just kind of interested to hear your take on that. Yeah, well, we, we used to have a, um, a bigger staff and we'd have more people in our predictions meeting. But quite frankly, not everyone in that meeting was followed it as closely as kind of the core group there. So I kind of pared it down in recent years. And, and now it's just three of us. It, it's Braden, who's my co-host, Braden Gall, the co-host yep. on the Cover 2 podcast. And then Stephen Lassen, uh, one of our other editors, he's actually our online editor, who I affectionately refer to him as the rain man of college football. Like he knows <laughs> more personnel about any, like literally I could text him right now and be like, who's Bowling Green's backup quarterback? And he'd be like, well, so-and-so is coming off injury. So I'm not sure he's going to be second <laughs> on the depth chart. I'm like, watch it. So you know, somebody, easy, you'd want, you know? somebody you'd want to be making decisions like that. It, exactly. So the three of us, basically we go conference by conference. We, you know, we starting in late March, we might say, Hey, Tuesday at 10 in the conference room, we're going to, we're going to do the ACC or the AAC. So we, we hash it out. Sometimes it's easy. You get into a room, you're doing the SEC West, you, you write, you know, Alabama first, you know, you write, might write Arkansas seventh, Ole Miss sixth, and then anyone have a problem with that? No. Okay, let's dive into two through five. Um, and then we just – Stephen puts together a, a a team sheet on everyone. It's got everything from returning starters, uh, guys coming back off injury, recruiting rankings for the last five years, stats, advanced stats, uh, schedule, results. One thing I'm really big on is results from the previous year. And, like, not, I don't, not necessarily your record. But like I always say, like all eight and fours aren't created equally. You know, you, you could lose four games by four points or less. That's a lot different than losing four games and getting blown out. You know, so I know the object is to win the game, but sometimes you know you got to step back, especially in college football. The sample sizes are so small; you play so few games yep. relative to every sport. So, um, and then to you know, as the executive editor, basically I'm the tiebreaker. You know, if if sometimes we can be debating something for a long time, and I'll be like, hey guys, you know. This is what we're going to go with. That being said, I defer to Stephen Lassen a lot too because he know he. I just I trust him so much. He does such a good job. So a lot of times we'll meet and Braden's very argumentative, and we might leave the meeting and let Braden thinks his vote mattered. Then later Stephen and I will <laughs> like over I am will be like yeah okay we're going with Bowling Green or whatever. That's the second Bowling Green reference by the way I think in the podcast. But yeah yeah um, <laughs> wow and so. You know, it, it's it's a collaborative effort, but when push comes to shove, I guess I'm I'm the tiebreaker. And it's interesting you guys said that because uh, about the Big Ten. At first, I, you know, the Big Ten East, we spent the most time on because debating between Ohio State and Michigan, it was going to be such an impactful prediction because that team was going to be our fourth yeah college football playoff team in the sure. playoff. Yeah, so we spent a lot of time on that. We ended up going with Michigan, but I'll agree. Like as far as you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen in the Big Ten West, you could spend, you know, four hours debating and, and, and you know, come up with – it's almost like whatever kind of mood you're in. Exactly. You know, I'm in a Nebraska kind of mood or, like, I'm in an Iowa mood. So, like, we picked Nebraska over Iowa, but we predicted them both to go six and three. And then we have Wisconsin third at five and four, Northwestern fourth at five and four, and then Minnesota and Purdue both at four and five. So – you can make a strong case for any of those six teams to win the division. I love Purdue and Jeff Brom. I just like the other team. We, we like the other teams more this year. Um, so I think the Big Ten West is going to be fascinating. And, I, you know, other than Illinois, which is kind of a train wreck right now, you could argue all five of those programs are on the upward trajectory. All five are really good coaching situations. So I, I think that division is going to be fascinating to follow in the upcoming years. Yeah, we were 
pretty uh, pleased to see that you picked Nebraska. We are a huge Husker homer, so that was definitely oh nice, a, definitely a pleasant sight. Why are, did you guys not? You're not. You guys aren't from Nebraska, are you? We are. We're originally from Omaha. So oh, I am. Uh, I'm heading to Omaha on Saturday. Really? Wow! College World Series. Uh, My son and I are going to the College World Series oh, yeah, to watch Andy the guy. Of course. Well, there you go. Yes, watch the Commodores. So, in fact, there is. Uh, it's as I said, I love the College World Series, but the, that event could not make it more difficult to attend based on just like when you when they announce the schedules and you never know for sure if your yeah. team's going. So pl- plane tickets were way too expensive. So we're actually driving. It's about a twelve hour drive. Not, but, uh, not too horrible. No, not too bad. But so looking forward. It's my, it'll be my third trip to to the lovely. I like Omaha. I'd never been there until 2011. It's a good place. The Big O. It's awesome. Twelve hour drive. That's. I mean, that's like twelve episodes of the College Football Bros. I'm sure that's. You know. <laughs> I. In fact, my son. We just before he's like, Dad, we need to download a bunch of podcasts. He's a college football fan. We're set. <laughs> there you go. In fact, may, maybe we'll hit traffic and it'll be longer. Oh, and we can listen to more. If only. If only. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, yes. let's talk about. Sorry, it. sorry, son. I went the wrong way on the interstate. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta listen to some more podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you you mentioned the your your playoff picks. Let's talk a little bit about that. So one, two, three: Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Not really any surprises there. But number four, you mentioned Michigan. Was was there? You know what what put Michigan over the top compared to I guess Ohio State? Was that the team you were debating with? Yeah, and we are a kind of uh, all three of us are just big Jim Harbaugh guys, and I admit it. Every year it becomes a little bit more difficult to be a big Jim Harbaugh guy. Oh, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a huge Jim Harbaugh guy. So, okay, yeah. I mean, you just look at his track record from University of San Diego, going back to yeah. to Stanford to the NFL. He's just the guy's a, the guy's a good coach. He's a weirdo, but he's a good coach. <laughs> um, and you know they he. They've been good. They've had great defenses. I mean, I know they gave up 50-whatever points to Ohio State. That game was – that's hard to look past. But I just think – I think it's the, the planets are aligned this year for Michigan. First of all, the game's in Ann Arbor, and I realize that hasn't necessarily made a difference in recent years. Senior quarterback in Shea Patterson, despite the you know the key personnel losses on defense, they, they lost some great players. They're still good there. Uh, Don, Dan, Don Brown's defenses are always good. Um Little, I'm fascinated slash worried about the Josh Gaddis stepping in as offensive coordinator. He's never been a play caller. They're going up tempo. They were one of the slowest teams in the Big Ten last year. They're going to be one of the fastest teams this year. Uh, but if it if it if Harbaugh lets him gives truly gives him the keys to the offense, it doesn't step in after like the second three and out of the season. I think it'll be a good fit for their personnel. You know, this is an offense that Shea Patterson ran well. Uh, at Ole Miss. So I think that'll work out well for them. And, and I think Ohio State has some issues. You know, first time head coach in Ryan Day. This is a team that, you know, has stubbed its toe in a big way in, in recent years. And, you know, they, obviously the Purdue game last year. And if, if, if Pagrom could, could have thrown a, Fred Maryland could have thrown a three yard pass yep. and for a two point conversion, they would have lost that game too. Their defense was not good last year. You know, it might have been a case of too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, defensively with Chiano and, and Alex Grinch. So, yeah, they're going to be good. They've got great personnel. We just kind of felt this is the year that Michigan can get it done. Yeah, I mean, for, as far as Michigan, it seems kind of like, I mean, Michael in particular is a very big Harbaugh supporter. I am too. Um, but it's kind of, this is kind of the point where it's like almost put up or shut up. I mean, you got to break through. He's He's been close. He's had a couple unlucky breaks, but you know, yeah. Ohio State, like you said, bring in a new head coach. They got a new quarterback. You're the guys that has the senior quarterback. You should. This is seems to be the year in Ann Arbor. You got to get it done. 
Yeah, I, we'll see what happens this year. We might, I might have to break up with Harbaugh after this year if, yeah. if, if it doesn't happen. But <laughs> exactly. if you would have told me, you know, what's this year number five for him? If you would have told me that, you know, when he got hired, that he wouldn't have a Big Ten title within five years, I'd be very surprised. Now they've been they've been right there almost every year. So uh, you know, I, I still think he's beloved by most Michigan fans. I think most of the Harbaugh hate is external. But if this, like you said, planets are aligned, you know, things are ripe this year. He, he, he needs to get it done. Yep, exactly. Um, all right, well, moving on here. We got uh, the thing I like a lot about your, your magazine is that, you know, it doesn't just focus on the Power Five. You break down every group of five team conference as well. Heck, even you got some uh, FCS in there as well that I noticed. So as far as the group of five is concerned, which team kind of stands out to you as the big favorite for that New Year's Six bid, and or is it more kind of wide open this year? Well, speaking of FCS, by the way, I got an angry email from someone who bought our magazine and was really upset we didn't cover the Big Sky Conference. And I was like, <laughs> I get your – but we haven't ever covered the Big Sky Conference. It's not like he's been buying it every year and we just cut the – you know, it's like we made his big decision. So I <laughs> he, mean, must be, he must be a Grizz fan. Yeah, totally. Those get, they're the worst. No, I'm just kidding. I, don't, I, I shouldn't have said that out loud. No, yeah. um, Who knows? <laughs> I don't know any Grizz fans. Um, so, you know, UCF is the obvious answer there. Um, they, you know, they haven't lost a regular season game in two years. And, and you know, this year, quarterback's going to be interesting with McKenzie Milton on the on the mend with, I think it's going to be Brandon Winbush at quarterback. They still have a lot of skill. So, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, Mac was really good in this first game, and it wasn't good in the bowl game. So we'll see. I think it's going to be Winbush. Um, okay. Uh, tough bowl game. Yeah, definitely. Tough, against tough defense there. Um, yeah. But I, I saw – and I saw Winbush in person. Uh, you know, as my I, I, I moonlight as a sideline reporter for Vanderbilt. And when Vanderbilt played up there, Winbush was still the quarterback. And I can just tell you, for someone who was on the Vanderbilt sideline, wanting Vanderbilt to do well, every time he – there's a snap and he did not hand the ball off. I was relieved. Like, you know, point being when he threw the ball, good things usually happen for the defense. So that's not a good sign for a quarterback. So, you know, um, I'm not, I don't have a ton of faith in Winbush is, is a guy who can throw the ball all over the place there. Um, yeah, exactly. I like Cincinnati a lot. And I got to say, I was not a, I was not a big Luke fickle guy when they hired him. Um, I don't know why. I just thought it was sort of a boring hire at Cincinnati. Okay, let's hire the defensive coordinator from the big school in state. Oh, that's Ohio State. Let's hire Luke Fickle. But he's he's done a great job. He's recruited extremely well. They broke through last year. They won eleven games. They've got a lot of skill back. So I think Cincinnati's re- yeah, really. Yeah, and Michael Warren's a good running back, and you know they're going to be they they should be better on defense. So. I, th- I think Cincinnati's really good. I think that that, that that side of the division obviously has two good teams. And Boise State's going to be solid again. Um, Utah State, I'm a big – I was a big Gary Anderson fan until he got really weird when he left Wisconsin. Yep. And then, yeah, he just like left Wisconsin in a strange manner and then left Oregon State in a really strange manner. So <laughs> Exactly. I'm surprised he got another job. But they're going to be good again. Their quarterback's very good. And Army is – just been a machine in recent years. Uh, no pun intended there. I don't know if that was a pun, but um, <laughs> they, they've been really, really, really good and fun to watch. An army at Michigan. Hey, Jim Harbaugh, don't lose that game. Um, it's gonna that, that's gonna be a fascinating game with with Michigan trying to go up tempo and snap the ball like every five seconds, and Army snapping the ball every you know twenty nine and a half seconds. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, those are 
again, I think you've got to say UCF is the best one, but then I'd say Cincinnati, Boise State, Army right there. Okay. Yeah, we're huge Army guys. We love Jeff Munkin. We love that offense. It's so fun to watch. But Oh, I, I yeah, I, I love Munkin. In fact, I've always I, – I like – personally, I like Derek Mason, Vanderbilt's head coach. I He's doing a good job. I hope it works out for him. I hope he's here for 10 years. But if it did not happen, I would – if I were the AD, I'd hire Jeff Munkin in a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. That's what we always say. Like if you're at a school that has like a disadvantage, obviously Vanderbilt has a huge disadvantage being the SEC – you got to do something unique, and Jeff Munkin would be able to bring that. But I'm with you. you know, a team that I, I probably stealing from Michael here because he's a huge fan of this their quarterback. I think Houston has yeah. a decent chance this year if, if De'Ara King stays healthy. I mean, that guy is electric. Yes, I agree. I should have th- thrown him in there. Um, he he has been great. Like you said, win healthy, um, and you know with with uh, Dana Holgerson stepping in, uh, you know they're going to score a ton of points. Um, so yeah, I, I think Houston. We've got them picked second in the West, uh, in the AC West, right behind Memphis. But basically, have them both going six and two right there. So Memphis, I'm a little, I'm intrigued by. You know, you got to give it to uh, Norvell. They've been good on offense every year, despite some really key personnel losses. So hey, I, I think the AAC, the top of the AAC, is really good. There's a lot of fun teams there. Yep, for sure. Uh, all right, one team we definitely want to ask you a lot about is uh, is Bowling Green. Of course, and so, of course. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh no, no. Well, I guess. <laughs> well, how much time do we, I? I know you guys are on the West Coast. It's 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 almost eight o'clock here, so I got to go to bed by about twelve. So I, we got to cut our Bowling Green talk to about two hours. <laughs> All right, you know what? Let's skip Bowling Green. We'll skip that. Okay. Maybe we'll have we'll have Stephen Lassen on sometime. He can he can talk our ears he, off about that. But he he could and he would. <laughs> why don't you uh, Why don't you talk our ears off about Vanderbilt? They obviously lost a great quarterback in Kyle Shermer. Do you think they have enough this year to to make another bowl game? Are you guys just trying to be nice to me to allow me to talk about that? That's fine if you are. That's, I'm that's, happy to that's talk about it. That's what we try to do to our guests, you know, kind of. Okay. Throw them a bone. <laughs> well, yeah. well, we'll throw you a bone. We're going to be mean to you later. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I can, I'm going to hang up later. You know, that, that's, uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it's, uh, I, I think, you know, that nationally everyone looks at Vanderbilt and says, oh, they lost Kyle Shermer. They're in trouble. And Kyle Shermer was a good quarterback, no doubt about it, all time leading passer in school history, past Jay Cutler and all that stuff. But, uh, um, uh, I'm John Blanken's first name, Neil, uh, Riley Neal from, from, uh, Ball State, uh, grad transfer, I think is going to win the job. He, he, I'd say he's 60, 40, 65, 35 to beat out Deuce Wallace. And he can, he's a lot more mobile. For as good as Kyle Shermer was, he was maybe the least mobile quarterback in the country. Yeah, he could not move. <laughs> and that really, you know, that really hamstrings an offense. It's, it's in the, especially, I've always said, it's so hard in college football nowadays to run an offense when your quarterback can't move. You just need you need that ability to to, to escape the pocket and you get the first down. And and Vanderbilt's going to be able to do that this year. So I think that 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 will be able to counter some of the downfield passing they lose with Cal Shermer not there. And I've been watching Vanderbilt football since my freshman year, basically in 19, 1989. Um, and I think this is the best set of skill players they've had. I don't know if you guys have watched. I've seen much of Keyshawn Vaughn, the, Keyshawn transfer Vaughn, yeah. Oh, yeah. the Illinois transfer. Sure. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, his stats, he led the SEC in yards per carry. I think it's 7.8. He had 10 rushes of 40 yards or more. No one in the SEC had more than five. Was that, was he, that all against Baylor in the bowl game? Uh, a lot of it was. <laughs> in Florida, Florida, too. Um, you know, uh, yeah, Vaughn was incredible in, in the bowl game. And, you know, he did not – did not get a ton of carries last year. That was one big gripe of the fan base. They didn't use him enough, but he was banged up a lot. He got Venerable's up 21 to 3 against Florida and he went out with a concussion. So 
I think if he stays healthy, he can be one of the best running backs in the country. Jared Pinckney, the tight end, is I think going to be a first-round draft pick next year, one of the best tight ends in the country. And then and then Kalijah Lipscomb is a really, really good all-SEC caliber wide receiver. So if the offensive line can hold up and Neal can be uh, adequate at quarterback, the offense is going to be really, really good. Defensively is where they've had their issues, which is surprising because Derek Mason's the head coach. So I, I think it looks a lot similar to last year. I think Vanderbilt can be a bowl team next year. But as you guys know, with playing in the SEC, life is tough. You know, got to go to Purdue this year. So yeah. they'll, they'll have to scratch and claw to get to six wins. Yeah, exactly. Got to take care of that non-conference, hopefully, to to do it. But yep. So every year you guys rank all the new head coaches. Uh, last year you had Dan Mullen, number one. That obviously turned out very well. He had a, a really good year, number one, in Florida. Sure. This year, Scott Satterfield. That's number one. That's a much tougher it's, situation there in Louisville. So, but what other coach on this list do you think uh, is best set up to have immediate success? Yeah. So the ranking isn't necessarily like who's going to enjoy the most success. It's our ranking of who we think made the best hire. Right. So like uh-huh. Satterfield's coming into a train wreck at Louisville. So I, I don't think he's going to have a good year. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? The, the 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 crop of coaches this year isn't as exciting as in recent years. You just you look at the list, and it's not too many guys you get fired up about. You know, I think we already talked about Dana Holgerson. That's set up for success at, at Houston. I think Gary Anderson taking over a 10 win team. Um, a guy I like a lot. I don't pretend to know a ton about him, but it's Mike Houston at East Carolina. Did a really good job at James Madison, won a national title, then lost in the championship game. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but as I was researching, the thing that really stood out to me is I think one year they were like number top two or three in FCS in total offense. The next year, they were like really good top five in total defense. So it wasn't just like wow. they just rode a great offense for a couple of years. Uh, Will Will Healy is a guy that you guys probably don't know much about at Charlotte, but he coached at Austin P, which is about 45 minutes up the road here in from, from Nashville and Clarksville, Tennessee. Took over the worst FCS program in the country. Vanderbilt played them one year, and I swear I probably at, at 44 years old, when we, I probably could have started in their secondary. They were the worst <laughs> team I'd ever seen. And he took him to seven wins. It went 0-11 his first year, seven wins in the second year. I think they won seven games again. Had the number one recruiting class in FCS. He's only like 30 years old. He is an up-and-comer. So keep an eye out for Will Healy at Charlotte. Okay. And some of the more you know bigger – I think Neil Brown was a good hire at West Virginia. Uh, seems to be a good cultural fit there. Um, Jeff Collins, I think – it's funny. People refer to Georgia Tech as like a sleeping giant. Yeah. But they've won a lot of games under Paul Johnson. They just didn't do it in the sexiest manner. Yeah, so I, I think he's recruiting. He will recruit very well. They'll be more conventional. They're going to struggle this year. But I think Jeff Collins will end up being a really good hire. All right. The, another set of rankings you guys uh, come out with every year is your 130 starting quarterback rankings, which is a huge endeavor. I think that's just is that's just online, right? No, it's a, it's actually if you guys have our national magazine for our SEC magazine, it's actually our back page, our quarterback rankings. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. So well, this was this is a this is a Stephen Lassen creation. Like he, it's the type of thing where he emails it to me, and he's like, "Any thoughts on this?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, we have Christian Solano at Nevada at one twenty six. I think he should be one twenty four. Basically, <laughs> I send him back a bunch of wise ass remarks. <laughs> yeah, um, and he and, and then he gets mad at me. So he's funny. He 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 updated these. He sent them to me because we do these in the magazine uh, for the magazine in April. And then he updates them for the web um, like about this time, which you might have seen recently. And number 130 just said UConn quarterback. Like it didn't even have like I think 
it's like a, a walk-on transfer from North Carolina, uh, from NC State and someone else. So uh, not good times at UConn. No, the uh, it's it's not as, it's not as if the defense is going to pick up the slack either. There, so. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things to do is point out how bad their defense was yeah. last year. Like it was historically bad. Historically, yeah. yes, historically <laughs> bad. So okay, I keep I keep interrupting. Go ahead. No, all good. Uh, so I actually have a, a couple quotes here. So yeah, you just today though I just saw they they went up on the website the 130 okay. quarterback rankings, and uh, last year of course you remember I think you guys had Tua was it second. On the rankings, maybe first. I think we had Will Greer first and two a second. Yeah, and you. I remember you guys got a lot of backlash for that because at the time, you know, now it sounds like oh, of course they would have him, you know, number two. But at the time, he really hadn't played a ton, and so people were mad. People were mad that you were projecting that. And I actually have a couple quotes from people online. Couple Ooh, quotes. Let's hear. Them. Yeah. So uh, one of them said, "Ranking him, ranking Tua ahead of McSorley is highway robbery." Ooh, guilty as charged. <laughs> and then yeah. the the other quote I like even better. I bet whoever made this list doesn't even agree with this <laughs> ranking. They just have to hype up players every year. That's like something I'd say to my wife or something. Like <laughs> but these rankings got me on the Paul Feinbaum show because they were you know they went up there and and uh, you know they they made a lot of they you know Feinbaum put them on there and there's a lot of people calling complaining and stuff. So they uh, so they called me. So I went on there to defend our. Our, our choice of Tua. And yeah, basically we were all in on Tua. Just, I saw him, I mean, not that you need to be a scout to realize that Tua was good, but as a freshman, uh, Alabama played at Vanderbilt. I don't remember who won the game. That's not no, inconsequential, not. Yeah. but, but uh, <laughs> it might've been like 40s and nothing in the third quarter. And Tua came in and just in person, he was breathtaking to watch. You could just tell how talented he was. Um, so yeah, we were just all in on Tua last year, and I was kind of I was rooting for him to win the Heisman because we picked him to win the Heisman. Obviously, he faltered down the stretch, and um, Kyler Murray won it. But yeah, so this year we went into it. You know, I kind of went into it assuming we'd have Trevor Lawrence number one, but then we talked about it a lot. And Stephen Lassen was big on t- putting Tua one again this year, so Tua edged out Trevor barely. Yeah, I'm okay with that. You, you could argue the the injuries that Tua had at the end of the season yeah. might have caused a little bit of a, a drop in play there. Um, but is there another guy? Yeah, I mean, they're both awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to go wrong there. But is there another guy this year that kind of like Tua last year where maybe he doesn't have a ton of experience, but you're just you're predicting you're making a projection. Is there someone that maybe you expect a little backlash from? Yeah, not really. I was looking at the list and, you know, a couple of guys, you know, Justin Fields, we have at eight and it's a guy like him. It's like, where do you put him? We, we think he's going to be really, really good. And he's playing for an offensive minded head coach on a team with a ton of talent. Um, he didn't exactly, you know, wow you. He didn't wow you in his brief appearances like Tua did as a freshman in Alabama. So we, you know, you can't really jump on the Fields bandwagon that much. So we got him at eight there. Um, that's fair. You know, there's not really a lot of first time starters that we have too high in our rank. You know, Jacob Eason's an interesting one at 25, uh, 26. Now he might have changed in the one you're looking at. I'm looking at our magazine. You know, he was good, but not great as a freshman at Georgia. Uh, you know, he was solid. He was true freshman, so I'm not trying to knock him. But there, there's a general feeling there that he is going to be – that they're, they're going to upgrade at, at quarterback this year at, at Washington. So that, that'll be interesting to I, see. I've kind of been a, a, a guy that's been spoken out against Easton just because, because as soon as I saw Fromm come in for him, 
I was like, okay, that's all I need to see. Fromm is better than Eason. So I'm, I'm kind of low on the, the Eason trade. I don't think he's going to, I think Browning is going to prove to be a better quarterback than Eason can possibly be. It, it could be a, like a be careful what you wish for to Washington fans. It, yeah, and exactly. again, I'm, I saw Eason and, and, and I got a, this is a caveat as a true freshman, uh, but I saw him in person at, and Vanderbilt actually won at Georgia there, and he just missed a lot of throws. You know, he, he looks the part and everything like that, and I'm sure a year off probably did him well, and he'll be really good there. But I'm not – again, I'm not sold on him. Just plug him in, and it's going to be all Pac-12 in his first year there. Exactly. All right, shifting gears here. It's time for us to be a little bit mean to you now. We buttered you up a little bit, but uh, – so you guys – All right, good, good. So you said on the uh, the Cover 2 podcast that – you get, you know, of course, and you've mentioned it here, you get several emails every year from from rabid fans who don't like some pick in the magazine. Your co-host, Braden Gall, he's he's got your back. He says, you know, you're always very respectful. You reply to every email that you can, except for, I guess, the Oregon, uh, <laughs> the yes. woman from Oregon. But uh, so we're going to do a little role playing here. We're going to pose as some of these crazy fans in your email inbox. And we'd like to hear your your kind of off the cuff replies to those emails does that sound good okay sounds good all right so I'll, I'll get us going here uh but just to, to preface this these definitely aren't our words we're just kind of playing the role here playing the role <laughs> <laughs> okay right. i understand so th- this email comes from tate m in miami uh, <laughs> oh. he says dear mr light your magazine rated miami third in the acc coastal and i think that prediction is ass my dude but why do you have miami so low because the quarterback sucks. That's why. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. See, that's what email's good. I don't have to, you know, I can I can type that in and then I can hit delete. But I don't <laughs> right, have to right. say that. Uh, well, Mr. Tate M, that's it. Thank you for buying the magazine and I appreciate your support. Um, we like Miami a lot. We like their talent on defense. Love the linebacking core. Think that young, spunky quarterback has potential to be good, but it's a new, a lot of pressure on him this year because they've gotten really – They've been really bad at quarterback in the past few years. So if they can solve that, they definitely can take a couple steps forward. A lot of it actually is we're a little uns- we're not sold on the head coach. You know, I think Manny Diaz has been a great defensive coordinator. Um, I think a program like Miami uh, could have done a little bit better. I know he's from Miami and he's got this, he's bringing all that swagger back, but we've heard that at, at Miami. We just thought that this year we liked. Virginia and Virginia Tech a little bit more, but I, we put Miami in that group that could win it. We just did not go with the Canes this year, but we wish you luck. <laughs> Very <laughs> diplomatic. Very diplomatic. Yeah, I like que- it. Question actually from the real Ryan here, though. Um, is there, I mean, do you think Tate Martell is even going to win the job? I mean, is that, I mean, it could be Jacosi Perry. Yeah, I think, it, I think there'll be a riot if he doesn't, because I think they've seen, you know, it was like last year, we got to see Perry, we got to see Perry, and then he played and he was just average. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm not sitting here, sit here and say that that Dan Enos is going to play Tate Martell because fans will like ride if they don't. You know, coaches don't work that way. Right. Um, but I just hope for Miami fans' sake that Martell is the best quarterback because that's been that's holding that's what's been holding them back for the most part. They've got good skill. You know, I think Jeff Thomas returning if they can get his head on straight, he can be a really good uh, wide receiver there. That they, they've been running the ball well. Their, their linebackers are good. So. They, 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 on paper, they've got enough talent to, to win that division, um, but the quarterback position's been holding them back. The great, you guys probably know this, but the great thing would be if Virginia wins it, that'd be seven different teams winning the Coastal in seven years, which would be fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, all right, next email is from Jeremy P. in Knoxville. 
and he says, Dear Poophead, which I'm very sorry about <laughs> that. That actually totally... sounds like something he would say. <laughs> he might. Well, I, did, I don't know, Jeremy. Maybe you do, but... <laughs> okay, I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of him. I've heard he loves asparagus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's his question. What is asparagus? <laughs> yes. No, he says... Athlon isn't projecting a giant leap forward for Tennessee. What do you think will hold them back from being a bigger threat in the SEC East? Coaching and their inability to come within 24 points of Vanderbilt. Oh, every no. Year. no. Oh, no. Um, just kidding. Uh, anyone listening delete out there? That, just, yeah. Delete that. Yeah, just, just a joke. No, um, <laughs> you know, in all, I guess my answer would be um, that Tennessee – I have trouble believing in a team that lost six games by 25 points or more. Again, as I talked about earlier in the podcast, I don't look at just how you do last year because all records aren't created equal. This is a team that had two really, or Jeremy, your, 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 your team had two really nice wins <laughs> at Auburn. And yeah, you beat a Kentucky, the team, the, but it was the week after they lost the SEC, basically de facto SEC East title game against uh, Georgia. But then you lose, tw- you lose six games by 25 points. You're trying to go to a bowl game. Late in the year, you lose to Missouri 50-17 to and Vanderbilt 38-13 to with your season on the line there. I have a lot of trouble believing that you'll get it turned around this next year. Recruiting's going well, but recruiting always goes well at Tennessee. Yep. Um, so I guess we'll just have to find out, Jeremy. It's kind of weird why Tennessee can't at least put a decent product on lately. Like you said, they always recruit well. It's just what's – they can't yeah. put it together. I don't get why. It, it's amazing. And like, you know, I live here at Nashville, been here for 25 years. And, you know, obviously I went to Vanderbilt, but I'm objective enough to, you know, I've been to 10 games in Knoxville. It's an unbelievable place to watch a game. Yeah. The facilities are great. Their fans are great. There, There's literally, they don't have as good an in-state, you know, recruiting bases. A lot of teams they compete against like Georgia and stuff, but they, they've always recruited well. So that's not an issue. It's it's a, it's just the self-inflicted wounds over the last 10, 15 years with the administration and the coaching, you know, I think they'll get it turned around eventually, but every year that they don't makes it more difficult. And now you've got Georgia dominating and Florida on the way back to close to dominating. So it's, I think Tennessee can get good again, but I don't think they're going to get back to the point where they're, you know, the best program in the SEC East. Yeah. Well, as Nebraska fans, we, we kind of understand that predicament. It's, the, it's, it's amazing the similarities between the two. If you could combine the, the like the, you know, the recruiting base, if you could give Nebraska, Tennessee's, you know, Put, if you could put Nebraska in Knoxville, Tennessee, close to Atlanta, you know, that would solve all the problems. But, you know, it's amazing how two, similar those two programs are with what they've done over the last few years. Totally. But at least Nebraska has the best coach, <laughs> Scott Frost. He's our Lord and Savior. Uh, yeah. I, hey, I'm a big Scott Frost fan. He's, he's got, it, got, got it done. Although he stole, a, he stole a, uh, a commitment from Vanderbilt last year at the last minute, which I'm still oh, not happy about. Yeah. That <laughs> Miles Jones kid. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, uh, yeah, I think he actually he seems like the perfect Scott Frost guy. He's just like a little fast dude. Yeah. From he's going to play that kind of duck R position. So yeah. yeah, that's true. He'll, he'll get some time this year, redshirt freshman. Yeah, so hey, when you know, hey, when you've got a chance to be a duck R, I can see why you turned down Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope Nebraska starts taking recruits from uh, maybe like yeah. Georgia <laughs> instead of Vanderbilt. <Andy. laughs> uh, uh, on that note, like remember in Clemson, I don't know how old you guys are, but Clemson had you know before Dabo, obviously, they had a big dip maybe about fifteen years ago, and I just have to remember like Vanderbilt was going up against Clemson and recruiting a lot and winning a lot of guys. Winning a lot of those battles, and then like the next few years, Clemson started to not be good. And I looked back and said, "Hmm, that makes a lot of sense." Exactly. Exactly. Times have changed. 
Yeah. All right, moving on to our last one here. So this one, this is actually from me here. Um, so, dear Mitch, in the magazine, you listed the top 100 Twitter accounts every college football fan should follow. But I, uh, I failed to see at CFB bros on this list. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume that we were um, 101 on the list, potentially to jump in next year. Well, you know, I almost lost... I almost lost my job about this. No, it's, I joke because I, I, as the managing editor, I do everything on the web. I mean, the magazine. I have my hands on everything. I see every story at least once, probably three times, except Rich McVeigh, who uh, runs our website, wanted to do this top 100 Twitter followers, thought it would create some online buzz and all that. I said, that's fine, but you do it. Like, right. basically, you just turn it over to me. So I glanced at it. Obviously, had I known, you, have I noticed that you guys weren't, weren't there, I would have, you know, Gone down kicking and screaming. Of course. But of next course. year, when we expanded to the top 2,000, oh, wow. Twitter fan, you guys will definitely be on there. Oh, man. Brutal. Well, we'll take it. No, we'll, we'll get take you. it. No, we, I promise I'll get you on there next time. <laughs> top 100. I'll bump Brett McMurphy or someone like that. Yeah, sure, that? sure. We'll try and get some scoops this year. We'll try and, you <laughs> yeah. know, we'll, we'll yeah, go digging into Zach Smith's, you know, emails or something. Yeah, yeah, just just expose some big coaching scandal. That's all you need to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, last yeah. question here. We're we're gonna give you a chance to be mean to us because of those those rude emails. So on uh, on the last episode of of Cover Two, you and Braden Gall were were joking around about the and you were joking just to make it clear about the coaches with the most yes. punchable faces. He brought up Urban Meyer, Dan Mullen, Chip Kelly, and under intense protest, you you said you like PJ Fleck, but. You, you threw his name out there. So we thought those were some great choices. We trust your eye. So I actually emailed you a picture of the three bros before this interview. Yes. And we're not going to be mad. You can speak freely, but we'd like you to tell us which of the three bros has the most punchable face. Okay. And I want to preface it. I, I was caught off guard when Braden said that. And I said, the last thing I need is like get an email from the Minnesota SID, like the executive editor of Athlon Sports. He wants to punch his head coach with an oar or slap him upside the face with an oar. So I was kidding, of course. Yes, of course. And I do like PJ Flight. So I'm, I'm looking at the picture of you, you three and I don't know who is who. I know you said in the email, but I didn't want to, I did not want to, you know, let that cloud my. Sure. The guy in the middle, I would say, is the least punchable. Okay, that's okay. that's Trey. He's the one that's not here right now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So you just made the two of us a little bit more mad. <laughs> yeah, I think the one, I think the tall one on the right, it's close a little bit. I mean, I like as I said in the email, I, I don't think any of you guys are really punch. You're not in the PJ Fleck category, but if you if you said gun to my head, I got to punch someone in the face. I think it'd be the one on the right, the taller one. <laughs> oh, my God. I knew it. I knew that was going to be the end. That's me for the listeners. That's me, Michael. This is terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. You, hey, <sighs> you, wanted, uh, you wanted honesty, right? No, I didn't. Now, now I don't want it. Okay. I can't believe you would say that. Okay. That is so rude, Mitch. Unbelievable. Okay. We'll record the other one. The short guy should be punched in the face. How's that? Is that better? I like that. I okay. like Nobody that. Nobody wants to punch the short guy. I knew I wasn't going to get picked. <laughs> so I can't tell how tall are, you know, who... Yeah, I'm I'm six three. I'm six three and uh but Ryan, you probably made the right choice because Ryan could kick my ass, so he's he'd be the tougher he might punch back. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Well, it's funny, like on the podcast I'm always just ripping on Braden all the time and the truth is if he wanted to, he could just reach across the table and destroy me in about two seconds. So <laughs> yeah. but, you know. Yeah. All right. He well, knows better. 
I'm 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 gonna get over that, Mitch. I, I still okay, very much appreciate you coming on the show. <laughs> um, everyone can find Mitch on Twitter at Athlon Mitch. You can of course listen to the Cover Two podcast, and obviously Ryan and I can't recommend enough the Athlon Preview Magazine. Uh, Mitch, this was awesome. Thanks so much for for coming on. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Be happy to do it anytime, and I will download a couple of podcasts and we'll listen to them on the way. When we're not listening to the Counting Crows song about Omaha, we'll be listening to your podcast. <laughs> oh, that is a good song, though. There you go. Yeah, no, it's a good one. In fact, after Vanderbilt clinched the, in the Super Regional on Sunday, they played that over the loudspeakers there, which I'm sure they do at every Super Regional. If so. it's related to Omaha, you kind of have to play that song. Yeah, so hey, I could. I don't know how last time you guys went there or, or been back home, but I, I could use some... some uh, uh, dining recommendations so feel free to email me some dining recommendations okay i'll give you one right now go to runza okay have you ever been to runza yeah i've heard i've heard of that definitely okay yeah you gotta go there for sure now i went to the the, the big i think because among college baseball media and stuff everyone loves the drover the stakes i've been i went there in 2011 but evidently it's closed now because there's a fire did you guys ever go there no no we we moved away when we were like five years old so yeah exactly not the great not the right people to ask but we'll ask around and and shoot you an email okay sounds good Uh, all right thanks thanks again no problem guys take care all right we really appreciate mitch light for taking the time to come on the show that was awesome and uh if you want to buy the magazine Go to your local bookstore. Tell them the college football bros sent you. Right, Ryan? Sure. Yeah, you'll get a, a great deal. Absolutely. They're gonna yep. they're gonna look at you with a confused look. We've instructed them to do that. They might even ask <laughs> you who are the college football bros. Why are you telling <laughs> me about this? But just trust us. They'll give you ten percent off. It's all part of the gig. But anyway, that'll do it for this week. Mitch was full of great content in that interview. So. Definitely enough for the listeners. And also, of course, on Sunday, on June 9th, 6-9, we released our 69 for 69 episode. Encourage everyone to listen to that. Can't miss. You nailed it. You nailed it, Ryan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, You know, you always feel like you, you don't do quite as well. But, you, you, Michael, you, you give me so many compliments. I feel better about it now. Like, appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Yo, man, you are, you are a man of many voices. Yeah, I got a, a couple of decent accents, don't I now? No, I was being sarcastic. Oh, wow. Now I'm sad again. All right. Well, that'll do it for (laughs) this week's episode of the College Football Bros. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, of course, and give us a five-star rating on Apple, Apple Podcasts. Next week, of course, we said Ryan will be in Italy Trey is still in Italy, so we pre-recorded a college football history trivia episode, so you'll have all three bros next week with that episode. Be sure to listen to that, and we will sort of talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.